Good morning, everybody. Welcome for those who I don't know. Um, my name is Sarah. I'm a lay member of St. Barnabas Church, and I've got the privilege of continuing with our Advent sermon series of preparing our hearts. And today I've been asked to speak on the subject of joyful humility. Now, I do need to be honest. I feel a little hypocritical on preaching on this. Um, in the weeks leading up to this talk, I've not been feeling very joyful, um, but I'm sure many of us haven't. Um, and for those who, who don't know, I've, I'm quite unwell. Um, so during the start when the pandemic hit, I, was, I got quite sick and I've now been diagnosed with an incurable autoimmune disease that leaves me in chronic pain and fatigue. Um, the severity of this does fluctuate, um, but the pain is pretty constant. Um, and then I had some respite a few weeks ago and I, it, it was getting a lot better and I thought I'd been healed. Um, and then unfortunately it came back worse than it had been before and I was pretty devastated by that. And um, a consultant recently said to me that he thinks I'm going to just be one of those unlucky people who has to learn to live in pain every day. So joy is not something that I'm finding myself naturally drifting towards. Um, and I sort of nearly emailed Anne when I first saw the topic and was like, please don't make me talk on this. But then I actually read the passage and it is so beautiful and it, it's actually really blessed me being able to meditate on it and um, reflect on it. So I hope that this blesses you as much as it has blesses me. Um, it's really quite beautiful. So um, if you'll turn with me, please, to the book of Luke. Uh, we're in Luke chapter one. And... Um, the passage I've been given is uh, chapter 1, verses 39 to 49, but that does cut off in the middle of Mary's Magnificat. So I'm just going to read a little bit on, like a little bit further, just because I, I like it, <laughs> just for closure. Um, but the, the sermon itself will be a reflection on verses 39 to 49. So Luke chapter 1, starting at 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my saviour. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever just as he promised our ancestors. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
So for this 9am gathering in the lead up to Christmas, we've been thinking about how to prepare our hearts as we come to celebrate the arrival of Jesus. And although we can easily become familiar with the nativity story, I think this passage can help us to sort of step back from that familiarity and maybe reflect on quite how radical it is that God has chosen to encounter us in this way. Today we're going to be looking at um, the example of joyful humility seen in Mary, her cousin Elizabeth, and even an unborn baby who will later be called John. We see from their reactions that it is an immense honour to see the promises of God fulfilled, not just in their lifetime, but actually in their very lives. Israel has been waiting for a Messiah for a very long time, and there have been plenty of false ones coming and going. So under a regime as violent and oppressive as the Romans, you can understand why the vast majority of Israelites would have lost hope. And while today we're not living under a tyrannical regime like the Roman Empire, this pandemic and the new variant Omicron can lead us to feel like there's no hope or no end in sight. I once heard someone say to me that the opposite of joy is not despair, but the absence of hope. The opposite of joy is not despair, but the absence of hope. Now, I, I would not suggest that any of us try and sort of suppress negative emotions that we may be feeling during this turbulent time. That would not be healthy. Um, and, you know, please do um, go read the Lament Psalms if you need help sort of guiding your prayers if you're going through a difficult season. And obviously, please also seek professional help if things are getting too much. Um, but what I would like to invite you into this morning is just to simply come before God as you are and to use the phrase from Nikki Gumbel, um, resign from your role as general manager of the universe. <laughs> and maybe just once again dare to put your hope in Jesus. Because out of that, you may find that the joy of the Lord that I'm going to be speaking on might just start to come a little bit more naturally. And that can then give you strength to carry on. So I'm going to be reflecting on the three sort of key characters of this story, um, Mary, Elizabeth, and this unborn baby, who will later be called John. And I'm going to be looking at how they each respond in their own particular way to the arrival of, well, to the, yeah, to the arrival of Jesus. He's not yet born, but he's, he's, you know, Mary's pregnant with him. So Mary has become pregnant by the Holy Spirit, and she's carrying, you know, the promised one, which is amazing. And uh, she then goes to her cousin's house, who is six months pregnant, and the first character to respond as Mary walks in is this unborn baby, John. And John feels incredible joy. And I love that because, you know, a baby in the womb, six months in, doesn't have access to, you know, a mindfulness meditation app. He's never heard an invigorating sermon to, you know, get him all fired up. Obviously, those things aren't bad, but I just, you know, notice how natural his response is. All he, all he is doing is he's just drawn near to the presence of Jesus. He doesn't have to conjure up these feelings in his own strength, and he doesn't have to follow 12 rules for life or be inspired by a good talk. He just draws near to the presence of Jesus and the natural response for him there is just 
to leap for joy. Now, there are times in life where we do need to maybe cultivate certain habits and rituals to kind of help us position our hearts towards joy, and I'm not against that, and that is something I need to work on. Um, But my point today is that for John, for this little baby, his joy in that moment is not manufactured. It's just him drawing near to the presence of Jesus. And I believe that each of us still have that capacity to respond that way. There's a joy that comes on us that is completely normal and natural when we encounter the presence and the love of Christ. So I'd like just to take a few seconds now, maybe close your eyes. And I wanna invite you just to reflect on your own inner child. Jesus says that we need to become more like children if we are to access the kingdom of God. And I'd like us to just spend 10 or 15 seconds before I move on, and I'd just like you to think, how would your inner child response if Jesus in the flesh just walked into the room today? Because one day you will meet him. So let's just take a moment to think now, how would your inner child respond to the person of Jesus? And now, now we are going to consider Elizabeth, the cousin of Mary, the mother of baby John. We see in this passage how Elizabeth Elizabeth literally feels the joy of her baby from inside her womb. And she then gets filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaims this joy in a loud voice. Obviously, she's not Anglican. She says, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Notice how communal this experience is for her. It's the baby who first receives the joy of the Lord. She then herself senses that, and then the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, comes on her to give her that same joy as well. This is a shared experience between mother, son, and Holy Spirit, which of course mimics the Holy Trinity. Sometimes in life, there are gonna be times where maybe we need to sense each other's joy, and that affects how we ourselves interact with God. Um, Many of you might remember Elaine Grant, who's now up in Durham, studying to be a vicar. Um, But I used to live with her. Uh, We were housemates for a while. And she used to have a stall in the market in town, long before COVID. And there was another lady whose stall, I think, was next to hers, or maybe two down, or something like that. And she always used to refer to Elaine as the human antidepressant, which I really liked. And I think those of you who know Elaine will go, yeah, that's really a good description of her. Being in close proximity to the people of God can sometimes just be a signpost to point you back to Jesus. And I think that's really special. Um, When I was studying for my master's at St. Melitus, I had a a lecturer who used to say almost every week in a deep bellowing voice, God refuses to be known outside of the communion of the saints. 
which I think just basically means that God likes to draw near to people. <laughs> and he always made the point that whenever you, God introduces himself in the Bible, it's usually in relation to somebody. So I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and so on. So if we think that we can cultivate a heart posture of, of joy and joyful humility, but if we, if we think that we can do that on our own, in this sort of privatized me and Jesus thing, I think we might be mistaken. Because even God does not function in isolation. So now I'm going to give us a few more seconds just to reflect. And I'd like you to ask the Lord, who is that person in your life who points you back to that love and joy of Jesus? They don't have to be an adult. And perhaps maybe would you consider doing something, even just this week, you know, COVID allowing, just to further invest or cultivate that friendship. So let's just take a moment now. Who is that person that God might be pointing you towards? Thank you, Lord. And now we come to Mary. None of us are ever going to know what it feels like to be chosen to be the mother of God incarnate. But all of us are chosen by God for something. There is some purpose on your life. It's easy to elevate certain people because we think that they're more holy or special than others. But every single person in this room and in this world has been created for a specific purpose. And it really doesn't matter whether you think you're too old and past it, or whether you think you're too young and inexperienced, or you know where you come from, whether you had a wonderful upbringing or a terrible upbringing. No matter where you're from or what your situation is, we, we've all got a calling and a purpose for being here. And of course, it's up to us whether we choose to listen to God's guidance and, and walk in that purpose, but the calling doesn't go away. And I think in British culture, we tend to shy away from this idea, especially in church, because we're worried that if we think of ourselves as people with purpose, then we might think that we're important. And that would be bad because we're supposed to be humble. But let's just have a look <clears throat> at what Mary says in her Magnificat in verse 48. She starts with saying, he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. And so that there is some good humility there. But then she goes on to say, from now on all generations will call me blessed. And I think Mary understands here that she's part of something big. C.S. Lewis famously said that humility is not about thinking less of yourself, it's about thinking of yourself less. It's not about thinking less of yourself. Humility is just thinking of yourself less. And, and, and we see this in verse 49 onwards. Mary just acknowledges the weightiness and the importance of her calling, but then she just immediately turns her gaze back upwards towards praising God and his wonders. She says, For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. 
He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. And to me, that is humility done well. That is a joyful kind of humility that we can learn from. It's not necessarily say, you know, about saying, oh, I'm not good enough or smart enough or old enough or young enough or healthy enough or holy enough. It's, we need to acknowledge that there's a moment of just acknowledging the weight and the wonder of the purpose that God has for you. But then from that, we just immediately turn that back up to God as praise. And I wonder... When I was just preparing this prayerfully, I, I did wonder if there might be anyone here today who maybe in your heart of hearts, you know you've been neglecting either a, a sense of purpose or potentially a gift that God might have given you. And I, I wonder whether God might just want to stir you this morning to turn back to that purpose or to use that gifting in a way that glorifies him. So I'm going to come to a close and I'm just going to ask you again, which of these three characters perhaps you are naturally drawn to this morning or have stood out to you? Was it the unborn baby John and that very natural knee-jerk response to the presence of God drawing near? And perhaps if so, would you like to ask God to cultivate that childlike posture in your heart once more? Or perhaps was it Elizabeth who's able to share in the joy of others through relationship and connection and intimacy? And if so, would you consider knocking down some walls you might have built towards people in your heart, especially the people of God? Or lastly, was it Mary who in coming to realize the weight and the honor of being chosen by God was able to thank him for the gift that he gave her, to accept that calling on her life, and then to use all of that to turn her heart upwards, back to glorifying him. Amen.